Here comes Cohen. He's headed for the plate. This game is tied. Our 17th athletic director for Mississippi State University, John Cohen. Hi there, and welcome to our latest episode of the John Cohen Podcast. I'm Neil Price in our Starkville studio. Glad to have you along with us today. And hey, I think you're going to really enjoy what we've got on tap for you. John is with us too, uh, and it's good to see you again. Uh, we're talking more baseball today. It's right in your wheelhouse, isn't it? It certainly is. It was a great weekend. We opened up on the 15th, Neil, with so many activities. We unveiled two beautiful statues that were created by Dr. Rusty Reed, who Really, I think we need to have an episode with him because he did an incredible job creating those statues and the Ron Polk Ring of Honor and just a great, really emotional weekend to bring the Mississippi State baseball family back together. Those two statues that John just referenced are of thunder and lightning. Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, they were two of uh, the first honorees in the Ron Polk Ring of Honor in addition to having those statues unveiled behind the home plate entrance to the new ballpark. And I saw them when they were speaking at the statue unveiling and couldn't help but think this is like a Cooperstown-type feeling. I mean, these were two superstars standing up here talking to Mississippi State fans. Just a really, really special, really cool deal that weekend. Does it feel like they're superstars when you go talk to them? Oh, no question. I have a really good friend, Neil, who says – when they come to back to Mississippi, it's like the Beatles are reuniting. So it it, it is a special time, and, and the, the confidence that they both have, but also the humility they have. You know, I, I can't help but be reminded the the quote about Ted Williams. You know, when when base when Major League Baseball went to Arizona, he said, "Boy, the, the air is so dry there." He said, "I I think I could hit 275 in Arizona." And they, they said, only 275? You were the last guy to hit 400. And he goes, hey, guys, I'm in a wheelchair right now. That's how I feel about Raphael and Will. You could put them in a wheelchair, and they could go out there and still hit a baseball. And by the way, both of them, 54 years old, both of them, still swinging bat almost every single day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's apparent when, when you listen to them that they love the game. They have a deep love for it. Uh, Raphael still trains on a regular basis. Will is still in the front office with the San Francisco Giants, still involved in the game uh, on a pretty intimate basis. So uh, it's it's a really, really uh, neat opportunity for us to be able to share John's conversations with Will Clark and Raphael Palmero with you. So let's start in the order of thunder and lightning with Will Clark. And just give me a little bit of backstory on this guy from New Orleans. Uh, I think you could say, is brash a fair word at times? I mean, he's definitely still got the edge to him, doesn't he? It's just confidence that's exuded, that's just pouring out of every part of his body. He's a confident guy, but not only is he confident, he's one of those guys who has a photographic memory and, and can break down the swing, break down the game. You know, when you talk to him about hunting and fishing and things of that nature, he can break that down to an exceptionally bright man. People mistake certain athletes and say, well, they're just gifted athletes. No, no, no. The brain attached to Will Clark is a pretty powerful entity on its own right. And he came out of a baseball-rich area to come to Mississippi State growing up in New Orleans. And when you hear Will talk here in a moment, the New Orleans has not left him. It's still there, isn't it? Yeah, there's some yat in there. And I say that because I'm related to a lot of yats. My father was a yat. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, my father would say, where yat? And uh, so, yeah, th- th- I, that just adds to the mystique of these two guys, Will Clark, who comes from New Orleans, Rafael Palmero, who comes from Miami. It- it's a great story. And I don't know, Neil, if there's another baseball program in the country 
that has this type of story about two players in, in their program. Yeah, and we're not going to waste any more of the air here. We're going to jump right into John's conversation with Will Clark, Mississippi State legend and big leaguer who uh, was in along with Rafael Palmero for the opening weekend of the new Duty Noble Field, Polk Dement Stadium, back in mid High drive into deep right field. It is a grand slam home run. Will Clark, one of the great hitters in the National League, one of the great hitters in baseball. Will Clark, i got to ask you this question. Yesterday, you roll up. In 1982, when you showed up as a freshman, did you ever envision that there would be a statue outside of Duty Noble Field? Uh, that, it's, it you? blows you away, John. It really does. And, uh, you know, I said it yesterday in the speech, you know, and you sort of alluded to it a little bit, you know, coming out of high school and being a green, you know, college freshman, and then all of a sudden, three years later, you know, you've been to the World Series, and you know, college All-American, all that sort of stuff, and then to see where it is today, the program, Mississippi State itself, and then to have a statue in front of the stadium is just unbelievable. Well, I tell you what, I think our fans are more excited about it than, than maybe you and, and Raphael because you meant so much to this program. You meant so much to the league. My question to you is this. You, you've now walked around this facility, and you hadn't seen a lot of it. When you walked around yesterday, what were your impressions of this new facility? Uh, the facility's absolutely first class. Uh, you know, you don't have – facilities on the major league level that are this good and uh you know it, it, it's pretty unbelievable i mean when you when you see the the video stuff you see the batting cages you see the players lounge you see the locker rooms i mean it is first class all the way around not to mention what the field itself looks like yeah i i uh we were really you know really it's really rare when you build something and it's better than the way you thought it was going to look from the beginning. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I know that there was, you know, some questions about the, the left field lounge, but I, th I think the little suites out there came out great. Uh, we've actually had a chance to be in the uh, loft behind left field. And, uh, you, like I said, it's just first class all the way around. And, you know, hopefully this helps Mississippi State not only as the baseball program, but recruiting and everything else. Well, you're 54 years old, and I asked you a question a couple of weeks ago. I said, hey, man, you look great, and you do. Um, I know you're coming off a hip surgery that you had a year or two ago. I'm trying to remember. But I said, what do you do to exercise? And you said, I hit. Now, that's not normal for 54 years. Exactly, exactly. You know, in, in my job as a special hitting instructor for the Giants, I actually have to get in the cage quite a few times and show the kids, you know, how to hit and how to hold this and here, you put your feet here and, and you know, because you're dealing with some 17 and 18-year-olds. And so uh, I was telling my wife, we sort of laugh and giggle, but I actually, believe it or not, I actually get in the cage and take quite a few swings all the time. I, that's totally believable that it, to anybody who hears your voice here. Um, you work with big leaguers. You've worked with high school kids. You've worked with college kids. I'm just curious to you, if you could take a snapshot back when you were – at those levels, what's changed for you in the big league level, in the college level, and in high school? Well, probably right now the big thing would be, you know, when we were growing up, and and you you it, you and I have talked about this, but it was more it was more, you know, hey, go outside and play and have a good time, and we made up our own games and we did all kinds of stuff, right? And now these kids, you know, get on the computers and the cell phones and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, what I would consider would be a routine workload for me personally would be, you know, 200, 250 swings a day. And now some of these guys take 20, 25, and they're like, okay, I'm done. And I'm like, well, wait a second, I was just getting warmed up at 20 or 25. So, you know, that's that's a little bit of what has changed. But, uh, you know, the, the game is still, you know, 
90 feet and 60 feet, six inches, and, and the game is still the same. You know, I, I, did, I just did some research this morning before we talked just to look at what people have said about Will Clark. And obviously, you're known for your swing. You're known for what you did in the big leagues and in college and even in high school. But there seems to be more on social media about Will Clark and autism now as much as yeah. anything else in your life. Talk a little about that. Well, we, our son, who's 23 years old, has a little bit of autism. And, uh, you know, he's progressed as he's gotten older. He's gotten a little bit better. But, you know, there's still some delays there. And so, you know, I had a platform uh, when I was playing to basically – you know, make autism my choice. And uh, I was able to do that. And, and you know, my, my teammates stood by it. And now, you know, we have a big autism event every year in San Francisco. And I know that every club around the league has some sort of autism night. That's, that's tremendous. Um, Will, you were kind of known not only as a physically talented player, but almost like somebody who has a photographic memory. And I'm just, I'm just curious, at your age, when you close your eyes at night, can you still envision moments from your big league career? Oh yeah, oh yeah, without without a doubt. Uh, you know there are there are certain at bats that you know, you know I can go through pitch by pitch till this day. They're just that vivid, and you know then there's other ones where I'm like, well, oh, I forgot to face that guy. You know that that kind of thing. But you know that's just that's just how it goes. Getting older, but you know there was so many positive things that happened in my life in the, in the game of baseball, and, and they they pop in here and there. Well, what, I'm just curious. You're talking about your life now versus when you were playing. What, what's a normal day for Will Clark now, today? Uh, if it's during the, the baseball season, um, it's getting up, reading the box scores, getting caught up on, you know, who, who did what and all that sort of stuff. Uh, then, you know, I will get on the computer. I'll check uh, all of our minor leagues and our minor league stats and, and see what, what our kids did. And then uh, after that, you know, if, I, if I'm in San Francisco or if I'm seeing one of the, the minor league clubs, the, about that time I go to the ballpark. I'm usually at the ballpark for a 7 o'clock game. I'll be there probably noon. Well, you're, you're known as a tremendous storyteller. Um, I remember being 21 years old and hearing you talk about a story that you told about you hanging out in, in Cincinnati with Pete Rose. Yeah. And I guess my question is this. <laughs> Do you wake up and say, my God, all of the famous people I've gotten to be around, yep. did this really happen to me? Does it, do you think about that? You, you know, I, I think about it every now and then, but, but I also treat it as, hey, look, I'm just a regular person. You know, I'm just a regular human being, as is they are, uh, you know, all the people that we've been around. And so, you know, whether it's all-stars or, you know, whether it's, you know, just somebody I meet every day on the street, I mean, we're all in this together and uh, – you know, I try to make everybody feel comfortable around me. And, yeah, I had a lot of success and a lot of tough stuff, but I'm by far not the best, And uh, you know, but, but still have a good time with it. What was the moment for you? Who's the person you met where you go, I can't believe I'm standing next to this person right now? Yeah, well, I would have to say it was Clint Eastwood. You know, what I mean, oh I, I grew up. I grew up watching him in the, you know, the movies. Yeah. You know, Hang 'Em High and uh, and everything else. Magnum Force, the whole works. And uh, you know, he was he was the mayor down there in Carmel, um, you know, California. And he'd come to the ballpark every now and then. And uh, when I met him the first time, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, that's that's the guy. You know, I grew up watching on TV, so it's pretty cool. That's Dirty Harry. Yeah, Dirty Harry, you got that right. <laughs> and then you know all the other guys that you know I grew up watching. 
I actually had a chance to talk to him at first base. You know, Mike Schmidt and George Brett and Keith Hernandez. It's like, oh, my goodness gracious. You know, I was just watching him on TV a few years ago. Now I'm talking to him in person. Wow. You know? Well, uh, before we let you go, I, I just, you know, a lot of this weekend has been devoted to Coach Polk and everything he's done for this program. The, the stadium still has his name on it. Talk a little bit about Coach Polk and what he means to you. You know, uh, we, we talked about, you know, being a college, college freshman coming in here green. And, you know, mom and dad are, you know, four or five hours away. He became my father. And, you know, I grew up not only away from home with him, but I grew up in the game of baseball by his tutelage. And, uh, you know, there was a reason why, you know, I was one of the leaders on the team. We directed people around because we knew what we needed to do on the baseball field because of Coach Polk. And, uh you know, I, I owe him most of my most of my success that I had on the field was because of Coach Polk. Will Clark, thank you so much for joining us. It's a tremendous honor, and uh, just can't thank you enough for being part of this this weekend. Well, it was my pleasure, John, and you know I really, really enjoyed being you know here this weekend. You know, having a statue dedication, you know, the Ring of Honor today, and uh, you know being back at state and seeing the fans. It's unbelievable. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Back in our Starkville studios, Neil Price with you again following that great conversation, John Cohen and Will Clark. The Thunder in Thunder and Lightning. You'll hear from Lightning. It's Rafael Palmero coming up in just a bit. Uh, but, John, what's your biggest takeaway from talking my, to Will Clark? My biggest takeaway is that Clint Eastwood is a Will Clark fan. Clint Eastwood goes into the clubhouse and says, I want to meet Will Clark. I tell you, when you hear things like that, it, it just – it's again. It's just part of the legend of Will Clark, and you know, as I mentioned in the statue uh, ceremony, y- you can have arguments all day about who's a better player, Will Clark, better hitter, Will Clark or Rafael Palmero. But there's only one winner, and that's all of us, because we got to watch it, we got to experience it, we got to see things that had never been done before on a college baseball field. And you know, I, I was just as excited. I'm just as excited right now as I was when I was 16 years old watching those guys play. Now, I don't want to get overly personal here, but I can't resist asking about this because I've heard the story before. Will Clark played a small role in helping you eventually get connected with your wife, Nell. Am I right? There was a trip to the West Coast. You needed tickets to a Giants game. You're trying to make a good impression. You call Mr. Clark. Am I right about that? Well, here's the thing. Okay, so... I'm in the Minnesota Twins organization, right? And we are in San Francisco, and I'm in a room full of people, no cell phones, so I'm in a room on a landline, and I'm in a room full of people. And they're like, who are you calling? I'm like, Will Clark. And they're like, there's no way you know Will Clark. You can't get Will Clark on the phone. No. And I'm like, watch this. So I set it up. I actually got Will on the phone, and you could have heard a pin drop. There's like eight guys in one room. And, uh, yeah, I, he was playing in Los Angeles. We happened to have an off day because, lo and behold, I didn't make the all-star team in A-ball in the California League. <laughs> we went to Los Angeles, and believe it or not, my future wife, Nell Bashinsky at the time from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, happened to be in L.A. with her roommate. And I found out about it, called her and said, hey, do you want to go to the Dodgers game? Will Clark is playing for the Giants there. Are you interested in going? And, she said yes, and uh, so yeah, indirectly, I guess you could say Will Clark brought Nell and I together, and he doesn't even know this, by the way. 
See, there you go. You learned something today, folks. And I can't remember when you told me that, but that's that's what happens in this big noggin. Stuff just rattles around back in the back, and eventually it becomes useful again. So there, conversation with Will Clark, uh, a little bit of inside information, inside baseball, so to speak. We're going to pause for a moment, come back, and talk to the lightning in Thunder and Lightning, Raphael Palmero, when the John Cohen Podcast continues. The incredible iPhone XR and the C Spire network. More features, more coverage, more moments. Like the 6.1-inch liquid retina display for that... Did you say liquid retina? ...moment. Or your choice of six stunning finishes for that... Let me see. ...moment. Make your moment with the incredible iPhone XR and twice the nationwide LTE. Only at C Spire. Customer inspired. For a limited time, buy the latest iPhone. Get one on us. Details at cspire.com. Back on the John Cohen podcast in our Starkville studios. Thank you for hanging out with uh, John and me today. And uh, we're talking baseball with two of the greats, uh, Thunder and Lightning. You've already heard from Will Clark today. And Rafael Palmero is over in the on-deck circle right now, getting ready to step in and talk some baseball with John. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the dynamic between Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, They're great baseball players, but they're very different people, aren't they? I think there's a little bit of type A and type B going on. You know, uh, as I've heard this description before, and I think it fits Rafael really well. Rafael wears life like a set of loose-fitting clothing. He, he's relaxed. He's calm. Not to say that Will isn't, but he is a guy who just lets everything come to him on, on the field. He's not in a hurry. You're not going to see a, a ton of passion but he's one of those students of the game who's just surgical in everything he does and by the way i'm going to tell you this i, I when i was in the stadium and, and we were walking around one of one of our the folks who works in our athletic department they said hey how, how old's rafael i said i think he's 54 and they said man he he is a really good looking man i said yeah yeah he, he's he's a good looking guy and then my mother calls me other she goes man that rafael palmero he's he's good I've had like 20 different women came up to me and said I tell you, for a 54-year-old man, that guy looks – I was like, yeah, I, I got it, people. I got it. He's a good-looking man. Can we move on? Um, but he's – the guy is so talented, and his story, Neil, yeah. is so unique in so many different ways. Um, and we're just – we're thrilled to have that statue out in front of both uh, – of our stadium for both these guys – uh, and I think both of them really enjoyed that process. So again, we're not going to waste the air here uh, because we've got uh, another great conversation for you. So here's John Cohen with Rafael Palmero, the uh, lightning in Thunder and Lightning, who was in along with Will Clark and several other Mississippi State legends for the opening of the new Duty Noble Field Polk Comet Stadium back in mid-February. Oh, here's the pitch to Palmero, swinging a high fly ball, deep the right center field. Going back is the right fielder. He looks up at his... Rafael Palmero, we're thrilled to have you here today. I just, just quickly, yesterday we had the statue unveiling. When you saw that and you saw the crowd out there, I just wanted your impressions of, of what was going through your mind. It's just surreal. It's, uh, you know, it's something that you don't even dream of when you're a kid and you're and you're starting to play, you know, baseball. You dream of being a big league ball player, but never to have something that special, a statue in front of, you know the crowd that you played for in college and the brand new ballpark. Uh, 
it's just amazing, an amazing feeling, and I was totally honored by it. And uh, thank you for oh, making man. it all happen, Come John. On. It was all you, man. Hey, 1982, you're a freshman here, and you show up, and you're probably like every other freshman who shows up. You're a little scared. You're a long way from home. I mean, you just said this, but could you imagine any of this, the life that you have now, what you accomplished in the big leagues? I mean, could you envision all that when you were an 18-year-old freshman? No, not at all. I mean, I, I kind of knew what I wanted to, to do, you know, in, in my life, which was to be a big league ball player. Uh, didn't know what I was going to get into when I came here to Mississippi State. You know, I had a little bit of, I had a little taste of it when I came up on my, on my recruiting trip. And it was an old Miss uh, weekend series. And what I saw was unbelievable. And I thought, you know, I can't miss out on this. I was still scared to death coming out of Miami down, you know, up here to, uh, to Mississippi. But the way that it turned out, uh, my years at Mississippi State, my career in the big leagues, no, I would have never, ever even imagined anything close to it. The documentary that you did for us, and we really appreciate that, that you did for the SEC Network, you're actually at home in Miami. You're walking through the streets where you grew up. I just want to know, how powerful was that for you to go back to where you came from with cameras in front of you and to experience that with your son? Yeah. Well, you know, I, t I, I took my family back there many, many times. Uh, and I just wanted my kids to see and my, and my wife and everyone else to see where I grew up, you know, and, and uh, uh, all the little ballparks that I played in as 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old. Um, I, I just wanted them to experience that. But going back, I mean, it just brings back so many good memories. You know, we played a lot of competitive ball down in Miami. Um, and so when I came up, you know, people used to ask me, you know, how did you, how did you make the transition and how were you able to, you know, step in and, um, you know, do so well as a freshman? And I said, well, because, you know, baseball in Florida, when you get to high school, you're facing some legitimate stuff, some legitimate pitching and the competition is good. But, you know, we played a lot of ball in Miami, and I don't think there's a, a ballpark in Miami that I didn't play in. So it, I took my boys and my family all over the place, showing them everywhere that I played, all the ballparks. Um, but it's always fun to go back home. It's always fun to be yeah. there. To me, that was the most powerful thing about that whole documentary is seeing you and Will, quite frankly, go back to your roots where you came from. Because yeah. I think how you got here is every bit as powerful as what you did here. Um, you, you go on and have one of the great big league careers in history. You're, you're now one of six guys, 500 home runs, 3,000 hits. I'm just curious, in your mind, and I know you don't think about this a lot, but 10 years from now, what is that little club of six, do you think? What does that look like? Well, I, the way I see it now, there may be one other guy that can get there. Um, Trout, Mike Trout, and I'm, I'm not sure if he can get there in the next 10 years. But, I mean, it's, I honestly don't think about it very often. Uh, I know that's only six of us that have done it. Um, and, you know, I was lucky. I played for a long time and I stayed healthy. I stayed in the lineup. Um, and it's just uh, an accumulation of being consistent. I mean, I never led the league in anything. Um, but I, I put up decent numbers because I stayed in the lineup and I felt like, you know, show up every day and do the best that you can. Uh, sometimes I was good and sometimes I was not so good. But overall, you know, consistency is what kept me in the game for a long time. And if you played 19 or 20 years, you might run into some decent numbers. When you go over those six guys, two of whom are Mays and Aaron, yeah. what, I mean, what, what does that make you feel like when your name is in the same sentence with Mays and Aaron? 
Well, first of all, I don't consider myself in their class, in their category. I think those are two of the greatest players of all time. And obviously, I'm not anywhere near that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, when they when they talk about the, the six players that are in it, uh, there's some pretty neat names, you know, with A-Rod now and, and Pujols that are, you know, they're Thank still you. playing. Um, Eddie Murray, who's a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's, it's pretty neat, you know, but I... I I really don't think about it at all unless somebody brings it up. You know what's amazing? You and Eddie Murray, to me, are, are linked in a lot of ways. I think you're two of the most underrated hitters in the history of baseball. You look at Eddie Murray's numbers from both sides of the plate, pretty remarkable stuff. And I know you got to play in the Orioles organization. Did you have a relationship with, with him I at did. all? I did. I think, yeah, Eddie, Eddie and I are, are friends, and uh, we became close and we played together. Um, you know, I respected him a lot for the way that he played the game, the way that he carried himself. Uh, the way that he prepared, real quiet guy, you know, very intimidating uh, if you don't know him on the field, but just a, a big old teddy bear. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I admired him and I actually watched him when, when I was a kid uh, growing up in Miami when he was with the Orioles coming up uh, with Ripken. I used to go down and, and watch him, you know, their spring training was down in Miami. Uh, so I got a chance to see him when I was a kid, uh, you know, back home in Miami. I wanted to ask you this. We, we have a facility here at Mississippi State in this ballpark called the Triple Crown Club. You are the only Triple Crown Club. I mean, you're the only person uh, to win the Triple Crown in the history of the SEC. And that existed from 1984 until recently when Brett Rooker did it. But, I mean, you're talking about this league's been around for 79, 80 years. One guy until very recently. Yeah. Does that, what does that mean to you? Well, that was, I mean, that's, that's a special thing. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of great players that have come through, uh, through the SEC. Uh, and, you know, playing with Will Clark on the same team, he could have won it too. I mean, that year, his numbers were identical to mine. I, in fact, I think that it was the very last game that we played here at home in a regional game that I was able to pass him in the home run in, in RBI category. Otherwise, I think he may have won, well, at least two of them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a special thing with the amount of great players that have come through the SEC over the last, I guess, 70 years. Uh, to only have two guys do it, at, you know, here at Mississippi State. It's, I mean, we'll see when it happens again. You know, I just think of all the guys. I think of Frank Thomas, who I played against, and just, just many, many. Dave Magadan never did it. I mean, Dave Magadan. He hit 500. Magadan, yeah. He hit 500. I mean, it's just extraordinary, and I say this, Brent Rooker played for me, we recruited him here. I sent him the picture, and he immediately sent me a text back, and he said, I never envisioned that I, my picture would ever be next to Rafael Palmeiros. Did you have any contact? Have you, have you ever spoken to Brent Rooker? We've, we've texted back and forth. I've got his number, and, and we've texted a little bit back and forth, and I congratulated him when he wanted, uh, which was, it's a special thing. Uh, so it's, it's a... I'm glad that we're in that club together. Speaking of that, Brent Rooker, six foot three, six four, 220, 230 pounds, can really run. Big power. When you look at these kids in these dugouts today in college baseball and in the big leagues, and you see the physicality of these kids, what what goes through your mind? I, w I would love to have their bodies, man, and their athletic ability. You know, we didn't have that. Um, back 30, 30 years ago. But the game has changed a lot. You know, there's nutrition now that, uh, you know, they're getting fed much better. 
they're taking care of their bodies a lot better. Their workouts are more intense, um, tailored more to the game. So yeah, athletically, they're way ahead, way I guess better. A great example of this is your own children. Yeah, they're they're big. They're kids, big and strong. Athletic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, I mean, you, the game changes and the players change with the game, and yeah, they're all the you know speed. They're faster. The guys on the mound are throwing harder. Uh, but you still have to be able to execute, you know. Do you ever game. say to Patrick and Preston, do you ever say, man, if I'd have been your size? I, I, tell, I tell that to Patrick all the time. <laughs> if I only had your size and your strength and your power, you know, who knows? I'm, maybe I wouldn't have been as good. I don't know. But <laughs> it would have been nice to have, you know, 6'3 frame with a 220 and all that power. Hey, because of your career, you've, you've gotten to be around some really famous people in baseball, outside of baseball. I'm just curious, do you remember a moment in, in your career where you're around really famous people and you just pinch yourself and say, how, how did I get here? Like, how did this happen? I met Mickey Mantle once. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my dad grew up a Yankee fan, and uh, all I ever heard was Mickey Mantle was the greatest player that ever lived. He got hurt, but if he would have stayed healthy, he would have been the greatest player of all time. And so that's all I ever heard as a kid. And so Mickey Mantle was like a baseball god to me. And uh, in A-ball, I was playing in Peoria when I first signed with the Cubs, he had a, an appearance at the ballpark. And it was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna meet Mickey Mantle. He's a Yankee, you know, god. And so I was able to meet him, sit down and talk to him a little bit. And yeah, that's, I mean, I've met many, many players and many people that I thought, there's no way, I, you know, I could be sitting with somebody, but Mickey Mantle's the guy. And, hey, folks, Mickey Mantle's not one of the six folks <laughs> who have hit 500 home runs and have 3,000 3, hits. I believe he's in the 500 home run club, yeah. but did not have 3,000 hits. So that's, that says a lot also. Um, hey, just, just really briefly here, finishing up, tell me about your feelings about when you come home to Starkville and when you get to be around Coach Polk. T tell me what Coach Polk meant to you. He was the one that I believe propelled my career. Uh, coming here, giving me the opportunity to play in this incredible place, uh, learning, you know, discipline, because he was big on discipline. Um, and just the fact that he stays in contact with all the players, even if you, don't, you didn't play for him. Uh, you know, I remember guys coming up to me in the big leagues, hey, I just got a, a, a letter from, you know, Coach Polk. And I'm like, well, you didn't play for him. And they would say, well, no, I played against him. I played at Auburn or I played at, uh, in Vanderbilt. And we played against each other. So, I mean, he just, he's, he's loved by everyone in, in college baseball and, and in the big leagues, everyone that's, that knows Coach Polk. But uh, I love him, man, and he stays in touch with me. And uh, I'm glad that he was a big part of this weekend. You know, Raphael, he had this knack, and I think this is the greatness of Coach Polk, he knew when to coach and when to back off. And in your case, he really let you do your own thing because he felt like the stroke was there, it was intact. So many coaches feel like they have to coach you. They have to have input into what you're doing. And I think one of the great things he ever did with you is to let you be yourself. Yeah, and with Will, the same thing, because we were so different in our approaches to hitting and his swing and, and my swing. and and how he was able to drive the ball, you know, 450 feet the other way, and I was more of a line drive hitter, but, you know, we weren't cookie cutter. You know, we, we all had different approaches, different ways of, of doing our thing, and, uh, yeah, he let us do our thing, and as long as we were working hard and preparing for the game and, you know, went out there and did our thing, you know, he was, he was going to let us do our thing. i got to tell you this, Raphael. 
we're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for, for being on our podcast, but thank you for everything you've done for Mississippi State, which is saying a lot. You know, the Palmero Center across the street and, and everything you've done for uh, Mississippi State. I have a really good friend that says, when Will and Raphael come back to Starkville, it's like the Beatles are in town, man. So <laughs> wow. that's what it's like. And thank you for being here. You're about to be inducted into the Ron Polk Ring of Honor, and we just can't thank you enough for coming back. John, man, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's a thrill. It's an honor to be back and everything that you've done for our, for our baseball program, for our school. Um, it's always an honor to come back, man. I've, I've had a great time. Thank you. Thank you very much. What a great conversation with Rafael Palmero, the Lightning and Thunder and Lightning, uh, who was also here along with Will Clark and a lot of other Mississippi State legends for the opening of the new Duty Noble Field, Polk Dement Stadium, back in February. And, you know, Rafael's story is not a lot different than any other fantastic player that comes to Mississippi State to play baseball. You get here and you see it, and you can't help but fall in love with it, right? He did, Neil. He described the, the weekend he came up and he – saw the fans, the great fan support we had here, and it just screams out, baseball's important. And when you're a young baseball recruit, that means everything in the world to you. And he's like some other guys that we have talked to on this podcast. Uh, I think a Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox from a football perspective who came from humble backgrounds. When Raphael's growing up in Miami now, his dad was a big part of helping him become a good player, but they they really had to kind of shoehorn baseball into what was a, a very work-driven life. Yeah, we, we talked about the um, documentary that was done, the Thunder and Lightning documentary, and I thought it was so cool. Uh, that he went back to Miami and, and talked about his roots. Uh, that's a big part of, of who he is. Uh, he's just a surgeon. He is a guy who's so focused even to this day on what he's doing. And don't don't mistake the, the exterior of the quiet demeanor and the focus. There, there's a fire burning in there as well. And that's why he and Raphael, he and Will, I'm sorry, is so good together because both those guys, even though they showed it in a different way, highly competitive people on a mission – uh, to be great. Well, and you mentioned it earlier that both of those guys now in their mid-50s still pick up a baseball bat just about every day. It's pretty remarkable. You know, I asked Will that question. I said, Will, you look great, man. He was coming off of hip surgery. And I just said, hey, uh, you know, what do you do to exercise? He goes, man, I hit. And I go, oh, okay, that's great. But I mean, I'm serious. What kind of cardio? He goes, I hit. And I can totally believe that because the artistry that both these guys display, they're not going to just walk away from that. I mean, they're two of the very best, in my opinion, who have ever picked up a bat, and they still uh, are crafting that, that art more now to share with others <clears throat> than to produce in a competitive way. But it's still there, and you can still see it. Yeah, I'm curious because you were with both of them uh, throughout the weekend back in mid-February, and you were also with them when they went down on the field to be around Mississippi State's current players. And what was that What was that dynamic like between kids who are now playing for State who may not have ever seen these two guys, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, player they would have been maybe at the very end of their careers – what was it like when they got around those guys? You know, people will say to me, hey, do the current players even know who Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, who, who, who they are? And the answer is yes, <laughs> because our, our players really understand the, the historical perspective of what those two guys meant. But also, they were raised by parents, especially dads, who knew who Will Clark and Rafael Palmero were. And so they 
You know, I've been accused of worshiping at the altar of Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, but I, I don't think it can be understated or overstated um, how important these guys are, not just to Mississippi State, but to the game of college baseball. They really helped change a focus or get a focus on a sport that, that didn't get a lot of focus in the mid-'80s. And, you know, it's it's also impressive that – Despite all of their great success, and both of them have had plenty of it, enough for several lifetimes probably, uh, if you walk around the baseball uh, buildings at Mississippi State, uh, the indoor facility that baseball uses here, the offices for the coaches, now certainly the new ballpark, Will Clark, Rafael Palmero, Jeff Brantley, those three names are on almost anything related to helping further the program. They have not forgotten where they came from. As they should. Uh, and I'm really proud to say that we have recognized those guys in all kinds of ways because they deserve it. They, without those guys, maybe Brent Rookers doesn't come to Mississippi State. Without those guys, maybe Hunter Renfro doesn't come to Mississippi State. You know, without those guys, maybe Mitch Moreland doesn't come and play for Ron Polk here at Mississippi State. Uh, that's how important these guys are in, in, in what is happening even right now. Yep. Pretty big deal, folks. That's the best way we can sum it up. And uh, what a great day to have both Will Clark and Rafael Palmero join us for a couple conversations with John Cohen. We got to take a break. We'll come back and say goodbye in just a moment when the, when the John Cohen podcast continues. Finally, a kids-free weekend. And you miss your kids. At Seaspire, we get it. That's why our network now has twice the nationwide LTE coverage. So no matter how far from home, you can always check in. Grandpa got me a double chocolate extra sugar milkshake. For that never far from home moment, the Seaspire network has you covered. Seaspire, customer inspired. For a limited time, buy one Galaxy S10, get one free. Details at seaspire.com. Back to wrap things up on this episode of the John Cohen Podcast. Uh, and again, we've got more great conversations in store for you. Do you feel like you're getting better at this interviewing thing? Oh, man, it's so much fun. I don't know if, I, if I'm if i achieving the goals of others, but boy, am I having a lot of fun doing this, Neil. Well, you're doing a great job with it. Uh, not coming from an accomplished interviewer, obviously, but you're doing a great job with it. And uh, looking forward to getting back together again next week, okay? Yes, sir. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the John Cohen Podcast. Again, remember, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done that already and the podcast will be delivered to your favorite device whether it be your mobile phone uh, your tablet your computer your laptop wherever you consume podcast uh, you can have it delivered there each and every week effortless easy as pie uh, so make sure you take advantage of that if you like what you're hearing please send a couple stars our way in the reviews we'd love to know that helps us do our job helps us know what you like and again we're still putting together episodes that we hope you're going to enjoy that will be rolling out for you in the coming weeks that'll do it for this episode of the john cohen podcast for our producer daniel Watkins and for john i'm neil price saying thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you again soon